0: Mothers are incredible. That's it. I told you it's going to be short. Go ahead and... Uh, <laughs> you know, this. as I was preparing this and, and thinking about it, and uh, I'm glad there is a day that we can celebrate mothers because the truth is we should be celebrating mothers every day. But we tend to, just like anything else, particularly for people and, and stuff that is always there for us, that is something that can be counted on, we, t- we start to take it for granted right away. And because they're always there, you know, it doesn't even enter our mind that, that they're not going to be there, they're not going to be taking care of us, they're not going to be, and we begin to take them for granted and we don't celebrate them. But the truth is, is that moms are incredible. And, and there's a number of reasons why they're incredible, but the, the first that came to mind is that, that moms know how to love. Moms love better than anybody else in the world, I believe. And I think it's actually the closest that we can see in this world is how Christ loves us, is to watch how mom loves, moms love their children. Because I think even more so than dads, moms have a connection and a tenacity for their children that, I mean, you don't want to get between a mom and her, and her baby. And I, I think that's, a, the, that's a, an example of how Christ's love is, is for us. But I think that, that, that moms are awesome in the love that they have for their children. I see my wife loving ways that I can't even comprehend. I see my wife do stuff. I mean, I love my children, and there's no doubt about that, but I, I, if I'm honest with myself, I don't think I love them like my wife loves my children. And I see the sacrifices that she makes, the things that she gives up. I see how, how when, when stuff is, is hurting them, she's hurting right there. They don't see it. but There are many times when my wife will, will be weeping for our children because she knows that they're hurting, that they're struggling. And they don't even understand how much that she cares and loves for them. Something else that's awesome about moms is they are strong. Moms are some of the strongest people that you will ever meet. And they have baby muscles. (laughs) Now, I remember when Blake was born, especially as he got a little bit. I mean, I can't hold a toddler for more than like a minute and a half and my arms are getting tired. And I'm like, I got to put you down. My moms, they can just hold babies forever. They, I think they have extra muscles that guys don't have that, are, that they can just hold babies. For, have you ever noticed that? They can hold babies forever and never put them down. And I'm like, give it back. Take it. I can't take it anymore. It's too much. And they're not just, they're not just physically strong either, but my wife works full time. She works just as many hours as I do. Yet she is still there to make sure that the house is taken care of. She's making sure the laundry's getting done. She makes sure the grocery shopping gets done. She makes sure that the dinners are made. And my wife is an incredible woman, an incredible mother. And she's so strong that she can keep up with all of that. And the reality is that she doesn't even just work full time. She works overtime. If you guys have been around us for a while, you hear all the time, oh, yeah, Michelle can't make it because she's on call and she got called in and she gets to work an 18-hour day-to-day. Yet she just keeps on doing it. I've also noticed that moms sacrifice regularly and, and and often. Regularly, I guess that's the same thing, huh? Didn't think that one through when I wrote it down. <laughs> and the truth is, is they, they do it without applause almost always. Like I said, we kind of slip into that idea that it's just mom, that's what they're expected to do. But they sacrifice. And I know that my mom and my own wife have given up so much in order to make sure that our families are taken care of, that they're... they're, they're That we're doing well. And they put up with messes, they put up with rebellion, they put up with disrespect, and they keep coming back, and they keep loving, and they never quit. And I know my wife, oftentimes, money that was meant for her, she spends on the kids. You know, instead of buying herself some new clothes or new shoes or whatever that she needs, instead she spends it to make sure the kids have what they need. And oftentimes, much to my dismay, to have the kids have stuff that they don't even really need. She needs something and not them, yet she would still rather give up what was meant for her and give it to her kids because she's a mom and she loves them. And the reality is is that motherhood starts with a sacrifice. You know they 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 give up their youthful bodies to to bring someone into this world. They, the 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 what a woman's body goes through is unfathomable, and I'm glad they get to do it, and not me. I'll be honest, but I think we should honor them for it. It starts with the sacrifice, and then the incredible pain that they go through, and then as soon as the baby is born, uh, even even in households where the father is extremely involved, the mother is doing most of the work. Because she was made for it. And they sacrifice. And you know what else moms are? They're stubborn. Moms are stubborn. And I don't mean that in a bad way, I mean that in a good way. I've heard so many stories of great men of God who say they are where they are because their mom, in their stubbornness, would not give up. They prayed for them every single night to ensure that they would be touched by God, that they would become the men that they are today. Because moms don't give up; they're stubborn, they're willing to to sacrifice and keep pressing on for their kids. So today, I wanted to take a moment to just look at some of the moms in the Bible that actually um, are the epitome of these comments of these these characteristics that are our mothers. In Matthew fifteen twenty one through twenty eight, it says, "And Jesus went away from there." and withdrew to a district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, said, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, And I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is some of that stubbornness that I was talking about that a mom's willing to endure and, and sacrifice. Because she didn't shy away. She, she wasn't ready to back down. The son of God said, No, and she said, you need to rethink that. think about that. I mean, she obviously had an idea of who he was and who he was, because she had faith. She believed he could do it. And he said, no, it's not for you. And she said, no, no, it is. I mean, think about the tenacity to go to God and say that. And the truth is, is that if you just take a step away from the fact that he was the son of God, as he was a Jewish man and she was not a Jewish woman. She should not have approached him. She should not have spoken to him. And that day, that was an offense that could have got her in a lot of trouble. She was a Gentile, but she braved no matter what that would for her daughter who was sick. She wanted her daughter healed. She knew that he could do it and she was willing to give up anything. And I'm willing to bet she would have been willing to give up her own life that she would have the opportunity to save Her daughters and she was told no and she persisted that stubbornness of a mom that says i'm not going to give up because i care about my kids too much and then jesus said her faith was great you know moms are are women of faith as well this woman believed something better for her daughter and she wasn't going to take anything else less than that and she believed in the Son of God to make good on his promise. And I think moms today are doing the same thing. Like I said, I've heard many a story of men of, of God who have said, the reason I'm here today is because my mom wouldn't quit praying. And even when it seemed like God was saying no, even when it seemed like nothing was changing, they don't give up. They have the tenacity. They have the, the, the boldness to continue praying in faith and believing that, that Jesus will do what he said he would do. Believing that the scripture says, Me and my household will serve the Lord, I'm gonna stand on that promise and keep praying and keep pressing on, even though it doesn't seem like they're they're making good on it, even though it doesn't seem like they're following through. Even when people said you're crazy, your kid's not gonna do that. Do you even know who your kid is? Even when it says they're crazy, they continue praying and trusting God. And that's the kind of stubbornness that we see in moms. And that's a good stubbornness. You know, I was an idiot once too. I know that's hard to believe when you look at me and you, you hear me speak and you spend time with me. You're like, there's no way that could be true. But I'm telling you, I wasn't always this kind of man. And I know my mom was praying for me to get my head out of my you-know-where. And because of her persistence, because of her belief, I am where I am today. Amen. What about this, the Shunammite woman here in Second Kings 4:18 through 23 It says, When the child had grown, he went one day to his father among the reapers, and he said to his father, Oh, my head, my head. And the father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. And then she called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And said, why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, all is well. This is an interesting story to me. So this woman, a little backstory: This woman is a wealthy woman. And Elisha used to come through her city, and he would pass by her house, and she would go down and she would give him food. And then she said to her husband, "You know what? This is a man of God. Let's make a place for him." And she actually set aside part of her home and gave him a, a place to stay with a, with a bed and table, and she fed him every time that he came through. And he said to his, his servant, "Go, go talk to her and, and, uh, and find out what she needs." And, and ultimately. She didn't need anything. She was well taken care of. She was happy with her people. And finally, his servant said, you know what, but she doesn't have a son. She's, her husband is old. It doesn't say she's old. I don't know if she's old or not. But her husband was old, and she didn't have any kids. And uh, so, so Elisha said to her, you're going to have a son this time next year. And she said, don't mess with me, Elisha. Don't be trying to trick me. And he said, no, you're going to have a son this time. So she, she had this son, and the son grows up. And this is where this story starts, is that, that uh, her child had grown. And he went out one day to his father among the reapers, and he said, oh, my head, my head. And the next thing you know, her son died. This son was promised by God. It was given to a man of God. said, you know what, you're going to have this child. She said, don't mess with me, Elijah. Don't trick me. Don't try to pull one over on me. And she has a son, because God, when God says something, it happens. It's true. But then we got a problem because now this promise, his son, he's just died. So, so she took him and she, she, she la- sat him on his lap till noon and then he died and she laid him on the, the, the bed of the man of God. And then it says that she jumps on the donkey says, and her husband says, why will you go to him today? It is either new moon nor Sabbath. She said, all is well. Now that's an interesting phrase because I'm reading this story along with you and all doesn't seem well, right? All doesn't seem well. But this is, again, this is a mother's stubbornness. This is a mother's faith. It said, you know what, all is well. This son, this boy was a promise of God to me, and it's not going to end like it is right now. So the rest of the story in 2 Kings 4, 25 through 27, I don't think I have it up there, it says, so she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel, and when the man of God saw her coming, he said to his Gehazi, servant, look, there's the Shunammite. Run at once and meet her and say to her, is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, all is well. And some of you guys might be thinking, man, it seems like she's lying. She's not lying. She understood the difference between truth and facts. The fact was her son was dead. The truth is she believed God. All was well. All was going to be well. And it says in verse 27, when she came to the, mount, to the mountain to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet, and God came to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress, and the Lord has hidden from me and has not told me. But once again, she says all is well. That's the kind of stubbornness that we see in moms because they care for their children. They have a heart for the children that us dads will never ever understand. There's a connection there that we will never understand. Even here, you get the idea that he's like, "What? Are you, what is he going to do? Our son's dead. You know, we're going to have to deal with this." She's like, "No, I'm not. I'm not stopping here. I'm not done. This is this is not the end." Because she believed that God had given her a son and God wasn't going to take her away. Matter of fact, we begin to see in a lot of these women who go to men of God or or God themselves and say, No, this isn't gonna this isn't gonna how it's gonna be. Let me let me let you know how it's going to be. You're you're God, you're a man of your word, you're gonna keep your word, and you said this, this is my son, this is my promise, and you need to bring him back. And the truth is, is that we know the rest of the story, right? Because Elisha goes and he prays for the boy, and the boy comes back to life, and she has her son. Now, there were some options she could have made. She could have just gave up on that time and not ran to get Elisha, and Elisha would have never known, Elisha would have never came, Elisha would have never prayed. But this woman believed that God had something more for her and for her son, and she didn't give up, and she was stubborn. And I think, all you mothers should be stubborn for your children. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep pressing forward. You'll be amazed at what God will do at the faithfulness and tenacity of your prayers. Amen. we got a, another mom I want to look at is, is Moses' mom, Exodus 2, 1 through 10. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket and made a Bull rushes and daubed it with I don't even know what those words are with bitumen pitch, and she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank, and it was and his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and while her young woman walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying, and she took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew's children. And then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew woman to nurse the child? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And when the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. You know, Moses' story, we all know who Moses is. And he's the one who led Israel out of captivity from Egypt, and he parted the Red Sea. And Moses has an incredible story, right? I mean, there's there's full-on movies made about him. Some not so good. I wouldn't watch them all. Some of them are not good stuff. But uh, but obviously he's a he's a well-known man, and, and even in I mean, even people that aren't Christians know who Moses is. But they may not know about the story of his mom and the whole reason Moses could do what he did was because his mom decided to be strong. And stand against the edict that had been put out by Pharaoh. If you guys know the backstory, let me read you Exodus one fifteen through twenty two. It says, Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiphrah and the other Puah, when you when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on a birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him, but if it is a daughter, she shall live. Moses wasn't supposed to live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this? And let the male children live. This is funny. The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. (laughs) We tried to kill them, but they just gave birth too fast. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong, because the midwives feared God and gave them families. And then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. The problem was that the Pharaoh was trying to oppress the the Hebrew people and God just kept blessing them anyway. They kept having kids. They kept multiplying. And the reality is, I, I believe, if you read about the history, there was at one point way more Hebrews than there was Egyptians. At any point, if they would have just revolted, it wouldn't have been a big, they could have took over. But the Pharaoh sees that there's becoming an issue, and he starts, you know what, kill all the male children. So he wants, he wants them all killed off. And he says, you're to, you're to, to kill them. And the midwives, obviously, they, they didn't want to do that, so they made up an excuse. And then he said, then he commands all his people, you know what, if it's a male, you kill him, you throw him into the Nile. So this is the edict of the king. This is the edict of their, of their, of their slave masters, the, the one that's oppressing over them. They said, you know what, your, your sons are not to live. But she chose life for her son. Now that strength that you don't see every day, that stubbornness that you don't ever see every day, she, she knew the consequences if she were to be found out for what she was doing. She would have been killed. And, and the truth is, is they were pretty vicious back then. It wouldn't have just been her. It probably wiped out her entire family. It wouldn't have been a good day had she been found out. Because it's not like immediately she had him and sent send him down the river. I mean, she had them for, she kept them hidden for three months. And this is an interesting story because we live in a society today where it's almost to the point now where if you're pro-life, that it's seen as a negative thing. You know, if you're not for the mother's rights, but you want to stand up for a baby that, ha- that, that can't stand up for itself, you're, you're thought of as, 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 as a terrible person. And the truth is, is we don't even refer to them as babies anymore. When they're in the womb, we refer to them as fetuses because that makes it easier for us to cast them aside like they're nothing. But this woman, she chose life for her son, for Moses. And she said, you know what? My, my son is going to live no matter what the cost, no matter what happens. And that's the way moms do. They, they disregard the cost to themselves, and they're willing to sacrifice deeply for their children. You know, the amazing thing about this story is is she released him down the river from where Pharaoh's daughter was going to be bathing. I mean, that was the hope that Pharaoh would find this baby and adopt it. She figured that was best case scenario. But how good is God? Said, you know what? You're going to get to take care of your baby a lot longer than you thought. So she, the Pharaoh finds it. The sister's like, hey, you want me to go find someone to take care of it? She's like, yeah, go find me someone I can pay to nurse this baby. And she got to, to nurse her own baby. God is good, amen. I believe God honors a mother's stubbornness. God honors a mother's care for her children. Here's another woman that was incredibly strong as Rizpah, the daughter of uh, a- Aia. In 2 Samuel 2110 10-14, it says, And Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of the harvest until rain fell upon them from the heavens. And she did not allow the birds of the air to come upon them by day or the beasts of the field by night. And when David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, had, the concubine of Saul, had done... David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of his son Jonathan from the men of Jabesh Gilead who had stolen them from the public square of Bethshon where the Philistines had hanged them and on the day the Philistines killed Saul and Gilboa and he brought up from there the bones of Saul and the bones of his son Jonathan and they gathered the bones of those who were hanged and they buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the land of Benjamin and Zillah in the tomb of Kish his father and they did all that the king commanded and after that God responded to the plea for the land. This is an interesting story right here. You see, this is about uh, the backstory of this is that Saul had basically come on in, guys <laughs> Paul had basically slaughtered the, the Gibeonites. And the truth is, is there was, there was a, 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 an agreement between the Gibeonites and, and Israel that was made in Joshua's day, that, that the, Israel was supposed to protect the Gibeonites. And for whatever reason, it doesn't say why in the scriptures, but Saul slaughtered the Gibeonites and caused a huge issue, and he broke that vow. And you can read about that in, in 2 Samuel 21.1 at uh, the beginning of the verse where it talks about why this whole issue is. Why did these men have to be hanged? So basically, David found out that these men had been slaughtered, and he, he went ahead and, he, and he, he went to the Gibeonites and said, what can we do to make up for this? Because he really found out that the reason there was a drought in this land is because of this great sin that Saul had committed. And basically, what was happened is, is that they were, he was required to give seven of Saul's sons to be hanged to make retribution for what Saul had did, to, to clear the, the curse, the drought on the land. So... David did. And two of those sons were Rizbeth's kids. She was the concubine of Saul, and she had two of these, these kids. Now, normally, when they would put these bodies that were exposed out there like that, they're taken down before nightfall immediately. But for whatever reason, uh, probably to ensure that this was, was taken care of, they were left hanging until the harvest rain came, Till the rain came. And I don't know how many days this was. It doesn't really say, but it wasn't just overnight. And this woman laid out her, her sackcloth, and she stood She protected her children and also her nephews, even after they were gone. That's a mother's love and that's a mother's resolve. That they don't even give up when it seems to be the end. They keep pressing on because moms love their kid. And as a result, David was touched by this by this woman who decided to stay out there. And, and I don't know if it was a couple days or if it was weeks till that first rain came. But she stayed with them. She protected them. She kept them from being eaten by the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. And David honored her and took those kids. And he took Saul's bones and Jonathan's bones, and they buried them all in the family tomb. But that's another example of a mom who wasn't going to give up, who wasn't going to put up with what was going on. She was going to be there for their kids even after they were gone. Amen? And then the final mom that we'll look at today... is Mary. Now Mary was an incredible mother. In Luke 1, 26-31, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph in the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And she came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled and saying, at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. See, the story of Mary and her son actually starts with faith. And this is an interesting story because the angel came and said, You will be with child. Now, People today, they're in the marketplace, they're going crazy to find pregnancy tests that can let you know that you're pregnant sooner and sooner and sooner. They ain't got nothing on this. She knew she was pregnant before she was pregnant. I mean, that's an early early pregnancy test right there to be proud of. But their story, her story starts with faith. because I said earlier, the moms are faithful women, and they trust God for their kids. And this one starts because she believed the word of God concerning her son. And this was an incredible act of faith because most of us in this room know how babies get made. And she hadn't done that yet. And, and God said, you're going to be pregnant. She says, how can this be? I'm still a virgin. And he says that, you know what? God's going to take care of it." And the amazing thing about this is there for a moment, she's like, how's this going to be? I'm, I'm a virgin. How's this going to work? And then she says something incredible. In Luke one thirty-eight, she says, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be done according to your word. Let it be done according to your word. That's a mom of faith right there. She said, you know what? I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know the, the, the specifics, but I know that you are God and I can trust you concerning my kid. And she trusted him. And the truth is, is that Mary, Mary was getting ready to sacrifice a lot. To say those words wasn't just as easy as going, oh, there's an angel there and, you know, let's just do it. But she had to consider the consequences of her actions, because at this point, she doesn't know the angel's going to go talk to her husband, so she probably is assuming that he's just going to bolt because it, she, obviously it wasn't his kid. That's the one thing he could be certain of. And then on top of that, now she's a, she's a woman that's pregnant before she was married. So she's going to have to go through her life with, 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 with the finger pointing and the whispering and the wanting to stone her. So not only did she have to endure the physical struggles of childbirth, but she was going to have to deal with the social issues that were involved with this as well. But she was willing to endure and sacrifice for her child because that's what moms are willing to do. And then we find out that Mary, you know, Mary wasn't a perfect mom. In Luke two fifteen through 19, it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this. Oops, I went too far. What I want to get at with this one is that Mary was just like any other mother that's in this room. She wasn't any different than you. Just because God came and spoke to you're going to have the Son of God didn't make her somehow a super mom or have special power. She's a mom just like any others. And in Luke 2:15 through 19 it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And it says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. You know, Mary dreamed for a child. She dreamed of who Jesus would be. She dreamed of the man of God that he was going to do what he was going to accomplish. And she envisioned greatness for him. And I don't think it was just because he was the son of God but I think it's because that's what moms do for their kids. Moms see the best in their kids always, and they see what, what they want them to accomplish, and they do everything they can that they can fulfill the purpose that God has them in their life. All moms see their kids that way and want the best. For them. I know. I know some of you moms in this room, how you feel for your children and the things that you've said and, 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 and how you keep hoping for the best and praying for the best and pressing. It's that stubbornness we were talking about, and it's an amazing thing. And I believe that it wasn't just Mary, but all moms do what they can to ensure that their babies reach their full potential. And now we get to the part where she wasn't a perfect mom. Luke 2.41 41 through 46 says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was twelve years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, and his parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, and then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him, and after three days they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. She lost Jesus. Take a step back and think about that. Can you imagine how that conversation is going to go? So God, you know that baby you gave me? Immaculate conception, miracle. Saved the world. Can you do it again? I lost this one. Can you give me a second chance? She lost the Son of God for four days. It says right here that They left, they were gone a day, and then, like, wait a minute, he's not here. How do you go a day without not noticing your kid was there? (laughs) She goes a day, she can't find her kid, and she's like, all right, now it's serious. You know, he's not with the family, we've searched all over, but they're already a day out, so then she heads back, and they didn't find him there either, back in Jerusalem. They still can't, three more days, four days she couldn't find Jesus. Mary was a mom just like anybody else. I mean, we laugh. and We're like, man, I can't believe she did that. But I've driven off without my kids before. We left them at church. I think we left Blake at church one time. Drove on. We've got to go back and get them. Especially when we were taking two vehicles, you know, and we just assumed Michelle got them. I assumed she assumed I got them. I assumed Michelle got them. Next thing you know, I guess someone's got to go back to church. We've got to find them. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine this. But you know what, just because she wasn't perfect and her track record at parenthood wasn't perfect didn't mean she wasn't a perfect mom, she still loved him. I bet you she was all messed up searching for him. I bet she was crying out to God, wanting help to find him, and she found him. But yeah, I mean, she was a mom just like any of of you guys, I almost said any of us, but that wouldn't make any sense. (laughs) Mom, just like any of you moms out there, not everything was was perfect. Nothing was right, but she loved Jesus, and she was going to do everything for Him. And I want you to know, as moms, your influence never ever stops in your kids' lives either. And John 2, 1 through 5, it says, On the third day there was a wedding at Canaan, Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? And my hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. And Jesus was a brave, brave man. Because his mom told him to do something, and he said, Woman? What's this got to do with me? I would advise you never to say that to your mother. And once again, we get to see. She doesn't even acknowledge him. He says, it's not my time. Jesus didn't even want, The first miracle Jesus did, he didn't want to do. Mom said do it, so he did it. But she, she had influence on Jesus, even as he was a grown man. This is the son of God. This is God in the flesh. And when mama says do it, you do it. What, and mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Jesus understood that too, and and she said, and Pastor Andy Elms told this story once, and he goes, "I just know Mary wore glasses because it works with my illustration." He said, "Woman," and she went, "What are you saying to me?" And she just says, "You know what? Do whatever he tells you. He's going to do what I said." But she had influence. You know what? You have influence, moms, in your kid's life all through as well. That influence. Never stops, and then finally we'll wrap it up here. See, it's a little bit shorter than normal. In John nineteen twenty-five through twenty-seven, is that moms are always there even to the end. In John nineteen twenty-five through twenty-seven it says, but standing by the cross of Jesus where his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, "Woman, behold your." He did it again. Last <laughs> woman. Behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Jesus, or Mary walked by her son to the very end, to the bitter end. She never gave up on him. She never stopped. She never stopped being there for him. You know, we wonder, why did she do that? Why would she? I mean, that, I don't know if that's a place that I would want to be as a mom. But the reality is, is that, that's what moms do. Moms don't give up. Moms don't run away, no matter how bad things seem. Moms stay there because moms got something inside of them that us guys just will never understand. We have a love that won't quit, that never stops. And when we need them most, they're always there. The truth is like that video we watched, moms are awesome. And as a son, and on behalf of all the sons and daughters here, I think I can say this. We just want to say thank you so much, moms. You guys are awesome. We appreciate you. And uh, sad, to, sad that it's got to be on just one day we celebrate you, but you should be celebrated every day because you guys are awesome. You're amazing women, and we just want to say thank you so much. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand our feet.